The Doctor Is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Hi, Dr. Ray. I love your show. Let me show you what it looks like to be a holy person, and maybe you'll want to be holy like me. You just patted yourself on the back. You seem like an honest guy. But you're a psychologist. Do you have some advice? I don't know. I'm not going to tell you what to do. You're my second favorite Italian person. I think you have a way of making people feel relaxed. She needs to feel the consequences of being a jerk. You know, I was looking for a deeper answer. Obviously, I'm a failure. Obviously, I'm inept. You are awesome. Keep up the good fight, my friend. Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. I have a number of distinctions in Catholic media. I am the only host in all of Catholic media who has the broadcast delay, which normally is seven seconds. In other words, somebody says something inappropriate over the air. It's not going to go out. Only people will hear it would be me and Andrew Kruchek and anybody else that happens to be listening on that end. But I, on the other hand, have a broadcast delay set because of me. It's uh, it's about 24 minutes. Yeah, so they can just eliminate whole swaths of my program. Hopefully it will not be when you talk. This is Dr. Ray Grandy. Program here, Doctor is in. This is Look Back Friday. That's really kind of dumb. It's not really a look back. It's kind of a listen back. But when you get into double syllables like that, it doesn't flow. If you're going to have advertising sound bites, it's got to be quick, memorable. Our Lord was phenomenal at doing that. He did so many things that were so easy to remember. He who wishes to save his life will lose it. He who loses it will save it. He just he just did stuff like that all over the place, that kind of diametric back and forth. He, he's he, well, yeah, he was really smart, you know, really smart. So we'll get to those look back calls in a moment. A couple of things. One, I had a monologue, but I'm looking at this. My producer man, Andrew Kruchek, sent me this. And I don't know what his message was because I, I think he's a bit jealous because I had one for nine straight years. Catholic Media's Humility Award. Oh, yeah. That you had to pick a virtue. The virtue that I picked to exhibit, and to exhibit quite obviously, was humility. I thought I did heck of a job. Uh, very, very overwhelming type of humility. Uh, so, and the way I won it, of course, is a little sleight of hand. Uh, the other people who were in the competition showed up to pick up their trophies. <laughs> you do that, you automatically lose it. I didn't. I won the award, but I didn't accept the award, which means... I want it. Tricky stuff, this humility. This was St. Jose Maria Escriva's 17 signs of a lack of humility. Now, none of these I'm familiar with. Just just wanted to say that. But just in case you're wondering if you have humility. Thinking that what you do or say is better than what others do or say. Now, I know he's a saint. But sometimes it is. Maybe not me, but you. You could say something that's better. Of course, if that's a pattern, then you got a problem with humility. Giving your opinion without being asked for it. Now, this gets you in all kinds of trouble with relatives. It does. When charity does not demand that you give your opinion. Ha-ha! 
not being aware that all the gifts and qualities you have are on loan. Ooh. Here's one. This is saintly. Not acknowledging that you are unworthy of all honor or esteem. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You seek honor or esteem, that's that's gonna that's gonna put a real ding in your humility virtue. This is one I see an awful, awful lot. I see it among people who have shows, programs, pundits. Mentioning yourself as an example. Well, we do this. This is what I do. This is how successful I am on this. Speaking poorly about yourself so that others may contradict you. Ooh, good one. That's pretty that's pretty slick. Put yourself down so others put you up. Then you can get that kind of that kind of accolade. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, hearing praise with satisfaction. Or being glad that others have spoken well of you. Yeah. Well, don't go on social media then with your thumbs up and your likes and your hearts. Ah. <sighs> Lack of humility, being hurt that others are held in greater esteem than you. Yeah, St. Paul says that. Esteem others more highly than yourself. <laughs> Letting words of self-praise seep into your conversation. Or words that might show your honesty, your wit, your skill, your professional prestige. That's tricky stuff there. That's really tricky stuff because it is the natural bent. Natural bent. That we tend to sneak in. Self-aggrandizement. All right. Got to do the log. Thanks, Andrew Kruchek, for that. I don't know what he was trying to tell me, but uh, 17 signs, I think I, I got at least eight of them. <clears throat> when the kids were littler, probably had five or six at that time, and they were all real little, probably under seven. We went to an attorney's office, and I don't remember if this attorney was, the, the, the secretary was the woman who now works at Living Bread, Molly. But we walked in. She greeted us with a smile, like you do when you see somebody come in as a client, potential client. And then the smile gets a little broader when uh, a couple of little kids come in, you know, little urchins, little rugrats. They look cute. They come in. And then another one came in. Smile was still there. Another one. Then another one. And there was an inverse relationship. Her smile went to a flatline look, went to a frown when the sixth or seventh kid trooped in. I could see her thinking how much depreciation would they do to this office in the one hour 
I hope it's only one hour, that they're here. So I said to the gang, I think my wife had the one-year-old in her hands, arms. Okay, everybody, find seats, please. And they looked like they were breaking out of a huddle. And they all headed for seats. Of course, a couple of them had to fight over one of the seats, but I gave them the look, gave them the look. And they split apart and each went to a solo seat. All took place in about eight, nine seconds. She said, I'm impressed. I said, don't be. Because you did not see the first 50 times that we went someplace and I had to make a request like this and I got looks from one or more of the children as if to say, are you talking to me? You don't mean me, do you? You mean the others, don't you? I see your lips moving, but I don't hear any words. It only took about 50 times that find seats, please, was sufficient. Because we would go home and they would all head for corners. Something would happen. Because I can't take the chance, especially when the kids were little, that they would act up in public because I would lose business. That's what happened. Nobody would come to a guy that can't even control his own little kids. I, I estimated that every time one of my kids acted up, cost me $147. If you divide it up, I checked it out. How many times? The lesson is perseverance. Had I given up at attempt number 20, find seats, please, wouldn't have worked. Find seats, please, would have gotten the same stairs. Deer in the headlight, to use a cliche. So the perseverance of following through when we got home, after they didn't listen on times number 1 through 49, or some of them did. There was always the ones that did. I'm sitting, Daddy. I'm sitting, Daddy. Andrew's not. Andrew's not sitting. As if my daughters had to tell on him because I couldn't see that he wasn't sitting. They had to make sure that I knew that Andrew and John were not sitting. Persevere. Everybody talks about consistency and discipline. That's an element, it's a big element. But perseverance is the other side of that coin. I can say coin, element, coin, not a mixed metaphor. Perseverance. Key to good discipline. Find seats, please. I'm Dr. Ray. He was a Jesuit, a cardinal, and a doctor of the church. Matthew Bunsen and the Doctors of the Church. St. Robert Bellarmine is honored for his immense contributions to theology, including helping to draft two important catechisms that defended church teachings during the Protestant Revolt. Pope Clement VIII named Bellarmine a cardinal because, as the Pope put it, Bellarmine had not his equal for learning. For more about the Doctors of the Church, visit doctorsofthechurch.com. Brought to you by the nonprofit Seton Home Study. Hi, everybody. Dr. Ray Garendi here. You thinking about homeschooling? Seton Homeschooling, 40 years of experience, 17,000 current students, pre-K through high school. 
They provide the books, the lesson plans, the counselors, the grading services, the tests. That's right, pretty much everything. My wife and I use Seton, some of our children. Tell you this, two of them got perfect ACT scores in verbal. And overall, the Seton students scored more than 100 points above average on the SAT. Over 30% higher on English and reading on the ACT. It's a rigorous program. You want to give the very best to your kids? Trust me on this one. Go with Seton. It is a beautifully rigorous academic program. Go to seatonhome.org. That is seatonhome.org. Underwritten in part by the following nonprofit. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things you don't believe in? There are options. You can join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based health-sharing community. Plus, Solidarity HealthShare can save you money with prices starting as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-398-9399. That's 844-398-9399. kind of music we used to have to play when I back way way back when I played the organ in uh, restaurants supper clubs you had the first couple hours you had to play the kind of Latin stuff Anton Carlos Jobim people like that because people were eating and then later you could uh, crank up the speed we have an anonymous mail typically the the majority of the calls or even people coming to my office this is very common in my office now is that the younger generation is severing ties with the older generation they don't like their religion they don't like their politics they are angry and upset over the way they were raised even though the way they were raised was not pathological or problematic well this caller is asking a reverse do I cut ties with my parents I have uh, parents, uh, a mom and a stepdad, and there's a gambling addiction that I'm told was stepdads. Um, and uh, this is this is a long history because like there's been a couple extramarital affairs on his part. Mom won't leave him for anything. I've I try I gave them a lot of money thinking it was overspending. I tried to coach them on how to budget. I stopped, and then after that I. I learned about the gambling. So my mom, who taught me to love integrity, has been hiding all of this. And um, I, honestly, I don't know what's true and what's not true. Uh, I'm exasperated because I, I, I it, like, tr- like getting truth out of these people is like pulling teeth. And I, I wonder. Well, no, that's not true. Is- that's not true, sir. You can pull a teeth and you can see the tooth in your hand. This is true. It's harder. <laughs> Thank you. That's right. <laughs> So your your question yeah. is, I'm finding out stuff, it's either trickling out or coming out in a big gush, that there's a lot more percolating in these people's lives than I even knew. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I saw a lot of bad stuff, and then, uh, but then some stuff was hidden, and uh, I mean, I, I can, you know, I've recommended that she leave him for a long time, and she just won't. And I tell her that, like, what she's done really 
hurts me and then there's a lot of denial or deflection or whatever and it's just yeah i don't know a lot of okay. deceit and manipulation i think well let me ask uh, let me ask well let, let me answer two levels one what she has done has not hurt you what she has done may have been wrong and it might have been incredibly disappointing to you her son one, she didn't probably deliberately set out to hurt you. You just happened to be, oh, fallout. And two, you don't have to be hurt by the bad behavior of somebody else, even if it is your mother. That's the first thing. The second thing is I'm looking at the question up here that Eric summarized. And as you're finding this out, you're wrestling with, what do I do about it? Do I sever ties? Is that what you're wrestling with? Yeah, that's part of it. And actually, I I would disagree. I think I have been hurt because she hid this gambling thing. I would not have given the money, and it was a lot of money that I gave them. Uh, okay, you were hurt financially. You you don't. I'm I'm referring to you being hurt emotionally. Okay. Okay. The difference. It's a difference. Yeah, you got you got stung financially. But if you say if you say my mother was not honest with me, mothers are supposed to be honest with their children. My mother was not honest with her son. Therefore, I'm, I'm hurt by that. Well, you can not like it, and you can say it stinks. But for you to absorb it and say it affects me emotionally because she did this to me, I think, and I got in trouble for saying this a few weeks back, I think you have a lot of power to minimize the degree that somebody can hurt you. Okay, yeah, that's you, fair. You can look at it and you can say, you know what, my poor mother is really kind of messed up. And the more I'm finding out about her life, the more I'm finding out is there's stuff all over the place. And I, I, I'm looking at an iceberg with, with seven-eighths of it below the waterline. Okay, you know that now. That's a given. Yes. So the first thing you did is you stopped giving them money. Smart. But the second thing is really the critical question. Why, why would you cut them out of your life? Well, I think that uh, I don't know what my mother wants for me, but I think I I see that if they continue on their path, they're they're just gonna it's gonna end in a very ugly way. Like, uh, but how would you terrible, cutting so. them out of your life do do anything to either stop that or start it? My suspicion is that our relationship gives her enough comfort, like it ameliorates her condition enough that she is she's comfortable enough staying where she is with her husband and if i just let her know i'm i'm tired of all the deceit and whatever then maybe she'll think oh gosh yeah this is really messed up and i gotta change two answers to that my friend one i really would be surprised if she would choose you over her husband given what she's been through with him i think what you would do is just lose your mother and two you're kind of saying, Mom, I think you should leave the guy. It's my opinion that you should leave this guy. And if you don't, here's what I'm going to do about it. Thinking about it that way, saying it out loud like that. Does that sound fair? I suppose not, but uh, he's been so destructive. But that's her decision. She's a grown woman. Yeah. If she wants to stay there, if she wants to put up with him, and you're thinking to yourself, but I personally think she'd be so much better if she didn't. Well, Maybe so, but 
That's not what she's decided. So I think as your son, I think you would do well just to have a, a decent enough relationship with her to love her and recognize she's going to make dumb decisions probably all the way till she dies or he dies. So to, to keep demanding that she, quote unquote, come to her senses. And if she doesn't, I'm threatening to pull out of my mom-son relationship. First of all, I don't think that's going to make her come to her senses. And second of all, it's kind of, it's kind of um, well, manipulative. It's emotional bullying her, which is you need to straighten up. And if you don't, you're going to lose your son. I don't think the Lord would want you to do that. I've heard this kind of reasoning among a lot of relations where someone says, I need to show them what they're doing is wrong or foolish or short-sighted. For example, the parent who says, my daughter is living with her boyfriend. Therefore, I will have no contact with her or I will not in any way speak to him because she needs to see there are consequences to what she's doing. That's a risky and, and questionable rationale. Because if we're saying if you don't act properly, morally properly, as I see it, I'm, I'm going to push you away. I'm going to push you out of my life. In all but extreme cases, that's not a response that we are to have as Christians. It doesn't mean that he is condoning his mother's behavior by still having her in his life. If he's going to have any chance to get her to look at some of her self-defeating conduct, he's got to be in her life. Now, she may not be easy to relate to. She may not be anywhere near his idea of what a mother should be. But at the same time, what is keeping him from treating her with respect or kindly? Had a mom write me once, email, and she said, I had a lot of struggles with, with my own mother. And I went to the internet, ding, 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 and found out she's a narcissist. And then I started talking with my mother, and I heard more and more about her own childhood, and it was ugly. It was really ugly. That softened me toward my mother because I didn't view her as someone who was just completely, deliberately, stubbornly making bad decisions. I viewed her as someone who who didn't have a lot of benefits of stable parenting growing up. And I think from what our anonymous son was talking about, he saw that in his mother. He remember he said during the call something to the effect that the more he the more he heard the more complex the picture got. And when you have a complex picture like that, when you have a lot of backdrop to why someone is making the kinds of moves they're making, you do tend to soften a little bit. 
And for him to say, well, I don't like what my mother's doing. I don't like the fact that she won't leave this guy. I don't like the fact that she ripped me off money. So therefore, maybe if she has to see that her son is fed up, it'll shock her. It's kind of the old, I'm going to threaten divorce because maybe that'll shock my spouse. Usually doesn't, by the way. And in this case, I don't think mom would have been shocked. I think all that would have happened is that son would have severed a relationship that he didn't have to necessarily approve of to a great degree, but he still has to have some kind of civil, pleasant, even loving contact. Do you rely on energy drinks to give you a boost? I'm Chuck Gatica, and this is Journey Strong. Sales of energy drinks continue to grow rapidly, up to $20 billion yearly. Manufacturers are often promoting these drinks as a healthy alternative to other drinks like sugary soda and sports drinks. Energy drinks can be low in sugar and calories, but are high in caffeine. Some 12-ounce energy drinks have 200 milligrams of caffeine. That's about the same as two Red Bulls, two cups of coffee, or six cans of cola. Drinks have even been included in some school lunchrooms. So what's the big deal? Adults should have no more than 400 milligrams of caffeine per day. And doctors recommend that for kids age 12 to 18, no more than 100 milligrams a day. Under age 12, no caffeine at all. It's easy to bust through these suggested amounts daily. Heart and sleep issues can arise. Check out the Journey Strong tab for more on energy drinks at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. Catholic Connection with Teresa Tomio. I encourage you to look at a report that came out several years ago by Americans United for Life. It's called Unsafe. And this idea, it's something else that has been pushed out there by the media and by Planned Parenthood and other pro-abortion organizations, that there are all these safety measures that were put into place when Roe versus Wade became legal. But as Father Frank Pavone and so many others say, abortion never, ever, ever changed, really. It went from the back alley to Main Street with little or no restrictions or protections. Many of the independent abortion facilities are less regulated than your local nail salon or hair salon. The fact that they have to quote unquote work on their messaging shows that we are making a difference. Catholic Connections, Teresa Tomio. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. interesting thing here in early dementia what they find is that there are subtle subtle things Northwest University Feinberg School of Medicine in Chicago did an interesting maybe you want to call it a study middle-aged people now that's essentially 50-ish with early onset dementia that's the the fast moving could only name 46% of people like Princess Diana, John Kennedy, Oprah Winfrey, Elvis Presley. They, only half of them could name these people from their pictures. For those who were not showing 
any indication of cognitive deterioration. I got them 93% of the time. The research believed that doctors could use this simple quiz as part of a battery test. Hmm. Interesting, because they do have stuff like that. They do have little uh, quick memory-type tests, quick cognitive surveys to find out where a person might be uh, in the beginning of or middle of some onset of dementia. Gretchen from Oregon. Bringing up the whole idea, this is really, really, really big among young parents now. Really big. And this is part of the clash between the older generation and the younger generation because the younger generation is much more into what they would call gentle parenting, although I got a comment to make on that after the call. I'm a single mother of six, and um, my eldest son is 28 and raising two children, one of them a toddler, and a new baby. So um, I am thinking about how my eldest um, saw me parent um, five siblings underneath him and really has got his head on, has made amazing uh, decisions, especially marrying this wonderful wife of his. So I used, um, well, you're one of my great friends because I had your book, Discipline for a Lifetime, and what's the other one? You're a better parent than you think. And I just recently gave those to Stephen and just thinking about the things I'm going to express to you. But I raised my kids with, you know, um, consequences, removing privileges, uh, reinforcing boundaries and expectations. And I even issued work so for restitution and so I could praise my children for a job well done and, and give a reinforcement that they make a contribution to their family and things like that. So my son and daughter-in-law are very beautifully faithful Catholics and they're great at communication, but I, it's really kind of surprising me as I watch him uh, raise uh, Peter James, who's two and a half now. And uh, Hey, think about this, though. Okay, huh? he's two and a half, right? Yeah. If he goes to the potty, because he's right about the age to potty train, they right. could call it Peter James John. <laughs> Sorry. I just, He's going to be covering him. a lot of ground, especially yeah. seeing we right. heard about the So here's, here's what I'm hearing. Here's what I'm hearing. That you're nervous or a little uneasy because they might decide to parent like a lot of young people are now parenting, which is quote-unquote called gentle parenting. And you're not right. sure <laughs> that what yeah. you see as good parenting is something they're going to want to hear. Right, right, right. I guess, well, I would love to tell you more, but you totally hit it, so there you go. That's why I'm the professional. Okay, <laughs> let me let me jump in here, dear. First of all, okay. it's, it's early in parenting, so you don't have to get a little panicky yet. Uh, he may find that this uh, this gentle parenting approach, which is, is, I've seen it blow up on many, many parents, uh, and th- and the reason is you can certainly be a gentle parent if you're an authoritative parent. You can be as gentle as all get out. You can be loving and caring and kind as long as the child knows who the parent is. Unfortunately, with gentle parenting, much of the time that authority component is left out of it. 
It's coming from the perspective of we're all just going to get along. I'm going to share with you my feelings. I'll give you options and choices, and we'll we'll I'll misdirect you. I'll redirect you. I'll I'll figure out what's going on. Why you're upset, etc., etc., etc. And most parents come to my office after about five years of that because it blows up in their faces. So, given how he does it, one. You shut your mouth. Unless he asks you, don't say a word. Two, hopefully, if your son and daughter-in-law are as level-headed thinkers as you believe they are, at some point they'll say, this isn't working. I can't get him to stay in his own bed. I can't get him to sit on the steps when I tell him to sit on the steps because he did something wrong, because he poked the baby. I can't get him to do that. I keep trying to convince him, but he just throws a fit. So once reality starts to hit, hopefully then he'll realize and he'll, he'll come to you. Unfortunately, this is gentle parenting is a rebound from previous generations who were comfortable with their authority. They weren't jackbooted thugs. They were comfortable with their authority. But the parents now say, no, 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 that's not for us. That's not for us. The, uh, the experts are teaching us. And grandparents like yourself, Gretchen, basically say, what do I do? Because whatever I would suggest would not fit with their present style. So that's my suggestion. Don't suggest. I'll go further. And I want to embellish something I said during the call. A fair amount of clients who walk into my office are frustrated, angry, and anything but gentle. They don't like the way they've become with their child, seven, eight, nine, ten years old, because they had read a lot of parenting books, the standard, the standard stuff that comes in parenting books these days, and it's all about more reasoning more sharing of feelings, more expression of feelings, which all it was all good. I'm not saying don't do that. But it really minimizes a confident calm authority. That's not high on a lot of experts recommendation lists. Children being children, depending upon their temperament, they push. Push hard. Parents get frustrated. Because a lot of this stuff is nice if you have a kid of a certain temperament who says, oh, yes, mother, thank you for explaining it to me. I most certainly will not misbehave for the next nine days. But you have a normal kid who nowadays is called strong-willed. You will get resistance. You'll get pushback. And you'll try to do more of the same, and you'll get more pushback, and it'll get ugly, and you'll be frustrated. And, and pretty soon you come to the realization, why is this not going as I had thought it would? get that all the time. Very, very common, especially among well-educated, and I've had psychologists and social workers and mental health types in my office, parents who are wondering, I'm doing it the way you're supposed to. How come this kid isn't cooperating? Well, it's because in some respects, we've kind of lost sight of the nature of children. They're not necessarily all that eager to cooperate. They want to do what they want to do, and we got to guide them, sometimes firmly. Gentle parenting works. Go for it. 
my experience after all these years of talking to parents, it's only a minority of time that it works. Father Benedict Rochelle. Brothers and sisters, we got to tell the truth in this country. For heaven's sakes, I wouldn't want to go to a synagogue and find that they were having a Muslim service. I wouldn't want to go to a mosque and run into a Baptist service. I don't want to go to a Baptist church and find out that they're having mass. We've got to be honest to ourselves. We've got to be what we are. I'd rather a good old-fashioned, honest agnostic than a phony Christian any day of the week. There are reluctant agnostics. There are atheists who are searching for God, and they may find Him. But somebody who says they're doing something in the name of God and the name of Christ, and God and Christ have nothing to do with it, is violating this commandment. I am the Lord your God. You shall not take my name in vain. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. The idea that the United States of America should now be a nation in high-handed rebellion against God makes me choke. I mean, there are some people who seem to think that the problem in America is simply between conservatives and liberals, between Democrats and Republicans. But these group distinctions are not the most important distinction. The real division is between those who are being drawn to Christ and those who are fleeing Him. All humans are created in the image of God And we are made for loving relationship with our Creator. Any human being will never find their full fulfillment apart from God. And those of us who are united to Christ by faith and baptism in His mission of redemption owe everyone we meet the love and consideration that helps draw them closer to their eternal lover. Cresta in the Afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. Thank you for joining me here on The Doctor is In. This is Look Back Friday. Take previous calls edited at the very capable, astute hands. How can hands be astute? I don't know. Skilled hands of Andrew Kruchek, producer man and editor extraordinaire. And then I get to talk some more about them. It's kind of the way that works. So, Marie in Arizona has long felt uh, unsafe in her marriage. And we'll find out what she means by unsafe. But her son doesn't want his parents to split. But if I recall on this call, which would be a recall, I think he's grown. We'll find out. I've been in this marriage now for 32 years, um, Along those 32 years, we've separated probably three times. I've given him opportunities to change. He was a uh, binge drinker, alcoholic, went to rehab about four years ago. Recovered, came out of rehab, was diagnosed with complex post-traumatic stress disorder from the abuse he suffered as a child and also bipolar disorder. 
uh, moving forward, he's been doing great, no drinking anymore, was on Zoloft for a while. They told him he needed to complete um, psychiatry uh, for a year's worth to be able to fit the missing puzzle in him from that abuse that he's kind of shut away. And the um, what they pointed out being some of the major problems in his life of why he turns to um, drugs or alcohol. He stopped taking Zoloft and turned to marijuana because it mellowed him out. And um, I've been dealing with that. He refuses to go to therapy. Um, I've had instances of his infidelity multiple times. Um, he's become physical, and that's starting to come out again, the physical, you know, um, wanting to, he's getting more comfortable being like pushing, shoving, doing things no. to me that are unacceptable. Well, you, got a, you got a bunch yeah. of stuff coming out there, oh, don't yeah. you? Yeah, and so I <clears throat> finally had it after Monday morning when we had an incident, and I had to call PD because I, I'm not doing this anymore, and he's a fireman, and PD sides with a fireman. So uh, despite what happened, they took his side. Um, I have a special needs adult daughter, and I was um, very frightened of what had happened that morning. Just a quick, I don't mean um, to interrupt you, Marie, uh, but I do mean okay. to interrupt you. Um, when he was pushing you, there was some, some level of domestic violence. You say they took his side. How would they do that? <laughs> it's the buddy um, system out here. Yeah, but did they, did they not believe what you were saying, or are they saying you both were fighting each other? No. They, I even showed him the security footage where he was backing the truck up because he wouldn't let my daughter go. She was in the, in the truck with him. And he was just acting really bizarre, and I kept asking him to release her. She's 26 years old, but her cognitive level is two. And he wouldn't let her go because he was very upset with me over um, the previous night of him being at work and texting anyway. Okay. I didn't mean to sidetrack you. I was just curious to hear how it was that they played down all this that went on. That's okay. You you don't have to give me an answer on that. how they do it all the time. So So your son doesn't like the fact that you're getting a divorce or you're separating. He doesn't like that. Um, Yeah, I want to get a divorce because I've already met with the priest and I asked him, you know, um, whether or not I was on the right track of thinking that, you know, I'm also causing him to sin by enabling him to continue this behavior and thinking it's okay. Um, There's, you know, other forms of abuse that I've gone through with him. I've forgiven him how many times over and over and over, you know, from infidelities to abuse and all the isms there are in there. And, um, so when I told my son I didn't want them to be blindsided, my eldest, he's married and has um, uh, three little ones of his own. And he said he didn't know what to say. And, and I know in the past he has told me that if we ever divorced, that he was always counting on me to keep the family together. Well, it takes two. And now he's upset with me. Um, was he going to write you off? He just says that he never wanted to come to a home where both parents weren't in it. <laughs> I understand that. Um, I understand that. Most yeah. kids don't. Even adult kids don't. But is he saying, yeah. Mom, if you get a divorce, I will not forgive you? He hasn't said that. He just doesn't want to talk about it. Okay. Well, then what you're saying is, I want my son to understand this. And what okay. he's saying is, even if I could see some of the reason why you're doing this, Mom, I don't like it. I don't want it. And uh, you need to try harder. Sounds like Yeah, he wants to be a saint, right? right. <laughs> Yeah. Well, the bottom line is, again, I, I can't advise you what to do. Are you sure? I'm sure the priest right. has heard a lot more than I have. 
However, yeah. if there's abuse, if son, there's unfaithfulness and all of that, you don't have to necessarily trash your husband to your son, but you can tell him much of what has happened is actually affecting my safety and your sister's safety. That's why I'm separating. Now, for him to say, well, Mom, I understand. No problem. I agree with you. Uh, Maria, I'm not so sure that's going to happen. But this may be just one of the fallouts from this. In the church's teaching which is consistent with our Lord's teaching. A spouse is not required to stay in a dangerous situation. term is called separation of bed and board. In this case, Marie's saying, hey, I'm getting pushed around, getting physically assaulted. Multiple adult relationships, all kinds of behavior that's uh, risky, and she fears for the safety of her developmentally two-year-old level daughter who is an adult physically so I'm I would guess that the priest told her you have reason to separate the son is saying I personally would be greatly inconvenience and uh, emotionally distressed if my parents are apart because what about holidays what about visits what about get-togethers in some respects it doesn't sound like he's wanting too much to think from his mother's perspective he's just saying hold it together no matter what the unknown in this, as I said to Marie, is if she does separate, what will he do? Will he essentially side with Dad and say, Dad's not all that bad, Mom's overreacting? It sounds like, from what Marie was saying, that he doesn't know much of the history. She's protected him from it. She didn't set out to say, here's what your father is. She didn't do that. So as a result, he may be looking at a picture that's not complete. For Marie, the question is, how much does she complete it? What does she tell him? Uh, she might be smart to tell him some, especially the physical part. And she can ask him, what do you expect me to do when he does this? Do you expect me to stay? How about when he's acting erratically with your sister and I can't stop him? Suggestions? In other words, if the son is just simply saying, stay there no matter what, it's fair to ask the son, okay, and I do stay there, suppose. Then what? Are you saying take the physical assault? Are you saying put your sister at risk? Now, probably what he'll do is say, well, it's not that bad. I mean, he's never he's never hit you. He's pushed you a little bit. Or she's not at risk. You're overreacting, Mom. You're overprotective. You've always been that way with her. What, whatever it would be. 
for him to minimize mom's distress, she's probably going to hear. At that point, that's a sign that his overall goal is no matter what, don't leave. No matter what you tell me, no matter what the circumstances are, don't leave. And he's saying, don't leave in so many words because of me. There is research that indicates that adult children who have left the home and parents will tell you, we stayed together till the kids were raised. It affects the adult children. It does. It affects them not only in their marriages, but it affects them in their connection to the parents. It does. There's research that indicates this. So in that sense, it's not surprising that he'll react. On the other hand, she's gotten priestly guidance. And there are cases when you have to essentially make a move for safety, danger, or completely untenable type of situations. For example, the guy that's going to gamble away every bit of money you own. This is Dr. Ray. Underwritten in part by this not-for-profit. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into a suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. As a Catholic mom, I know that parenting can be hard, frustrating, and lonely. But it doesn't have to be that way anymore. I'm Lisa Popcheck from More to Life, inviting you to become a premium member of Catholic Home. That's CatholicHOM.com. It's an online community dedicated to supporting Catholic parents like you. At Catholic Home, you can chat with our team of family life coaches every day, get expert help with discipline issues, self-care, creating a stronger marriage, living your faith at home, or just coping with the stress of being a Catholic parent in today's world. In addition to personalized expert support, you'll get access to tons of creative resources, entertaining videos that teach your kids how to get along and love the Lord downloadable activities, monthly live parenting Q&As, and a supportive community and tons of other benefits, like my Momfidence podcast. Go to CatholicHOM.com today and become a premium member of the Catholic Home Community. Again, that's CatholicHOM.com. I can't wait to see you there. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual fund. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. Don't have enough time to take another call, another look back. So as I often do, I take a, you want to call it a call, I take a long look back from Clive's Staples Lewis, probably the greatest Christian apologist 
of last century. Now, Lewis was, I believe, an Anglican, although he had a lot of very Catholic-leaning sensibilities. He said this in Mere Christianity. Now, he's coming from the perspective of looking at yourself as a wretched, wretched sinner, which the Catholic Church would teach, yes, in fact, we have an inclination to sin, but we are made in the image of God, so therefore God can, in fact, by His grace, make us less sinners and, in fact, virtuous. Well, here's what Lewis says. No man, now there he is, how insensitive, he should say no person, but back when he was writing, it was okay to say that, because it was understood that it meant everybody. No man knows how bad he is. I don't want to dispute Lewis, but from a perspective of the Catholic Church teaching, it would be no man knows how much he sins. Until he has tried very hard to be good. I was in confession one time and I said to the priest, why is it, why is it that the more I want to follow Christ, the more I see wrong with me? Gave me a nice analogy. It's like moving toward a bright light. You want to get toward the light, but... As it gets brighter, it shows up flaws that you didn't know were there. This is at the same time an unsettling but yet comforting thought, which is, as you try to improve yourself, to conform yourself more to what Christ would want you to be, you're going to notice a lot more stuff that you didn't notice before about you. And it ain't pretty. But the thing is, you can't despair. You can't say, forget it. I just can't do it. The more I try, the worse I look. No, that's, that's what you want. You want that kind of self-insight. Without it, you're not going to get any better. But that's the catch-22, to use the title of a book. You want to see it, but you can't get so distressed about seeing it that you give up. You want to say, thank you, Lord, for showing me what I can be like with other people, with my own attitude, with my temper, with the things that I do that I never realized before didn't fit me wanting to be the best Christian I could be. So therefore, thank you that you've shown me. Now, the hard part you got to give me the strength to overcome some of this stuff. And while I'm overcoming it, I'm going to notice more. That's okay. In a way, you can take that as a measure that you are conforming yourself to Christ. Because you're seeing all the places you're not conformed to Christ. No man knows how bad he is until he's tried very hard to be good. That's right. You want to try hard. Thank you for joining me here on this Look Back Friday. Good Lord permitting. See you Monday. E-Person Monday. Walk with God. And the closer your walk, the more you're going to see where you stumble. But that's okay. He's got your hand. 
For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook. The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.